I'm, I was I was in a refugee camp for three years as a kid in Sudan. Had the opportunity to come to this country with my family. Grew up outside of Chicago. Learned English. Um, uh, went through the school system, and there was um, a, a really tough time I had then um, during my childhood, where and I didn't know it. Sometimes you don't know the pain mm-hmm. you're feeling till mm-hmm. later on. Where um, I can look back and I realize I just thought so little of myself. of The Burn. I am Ben Newman and couldn't be any more excited to be trying something out for the first time with my good buddy Maui Osgodome. And so check this out, okay? Coronavirus. Horrible situation for so many people. Impacted all over the world. And for a guy who does not like technology, you guys who follow us every single week on The Burn, you know our episodes. We've never done anything virtual like this. And it's amazing, Maui and I were just chatting about how in life things happen for the right reasons at the right timing. And it's pretty amazing, Maui's story and how we're all having to adapt to new environments and how his message in his life is going to apply to what every single one of us is going through right now. And so before I share a little bit about Maui and then I turn it over to him, I just want to share just thoughts and prayers go out to any of you who have family members currently struggling, going through battling this virus, all of the individuals on the front lines from those who are stocking grocery cells to the nurses and the doctors helping this country keep going, our thoughts and our prayers are with you. And let's all continue to do our part so that we can stay stronger together. All right, so I'm gonna give a little intro of, of Maui. So we go back like over 10 years and what's wild is when we first met, I was just absolutely, and, and I never told Maui this, but I was like, man, this dude is so sharp. I mean, you talk about Harvard graduate, number one, that like makes me nervous because <laughs> I, I was never the, the best student. And, you know, like in business, like passionate, like you talk about clarity, uh, learning, teaching uh, educational courses to children K through 12. And he was in St. Louis and we met here because he was working with a uh, school district here. And so it was just incredible, like the clarity, the passion and the work that he put behind that clarity and passion. And so we haven't stayed as connected as we probably would have liked to over the years. But man, catching up today before we went live here, I'm telling you, it was awesome. And it was one of those things like we just caught right up to where we were when we were together in person last. And there have been a lot of changes for Maui, uh, so many incredible things in his journey from being an Ethiopian refugee to his family coming to the United States, ends up on the couch on the Oprah Winfrey show, right? So He's been in some interesting environments because he's been committed to the hard work and passion for life. So just talking through this, I I couldn't believe it. On my bookshelf, ever since we met for that first time, he gave me his book, Of Beatles and Angels. Guys, this is an unbelievable read. And this was his first book of many books that have now come out. He, He has sold businesses, um, you know, selling your business to the ACT. And for me... Uh, my ACT score was a 19, so I get a little nervous even, being, <laughs> as I said, being on here with you. But uh, I'll tell you, your story, it just, it inspires me, that infectious smile, 
And so really what I want to know from you, right? Amazing dad, you got a fourth child coming, you remain passionate. I think it's unique that so many people, they sell a business and they're like, okay, I'll just chill for a while. And you're passionate about finding the next way to teach people. And so help us better understand, like, where does that burn come for you? Like that underlying burn that causes you to say, it doesn't matter that I sold a business. I want to keep teaching. Share with us your family story. Like, let the people know, Maui, because, like, you inspire <laughs> me, man. Uh, thanks so much, Ben. It's, like you said, amazing to reconnect and um, hoping we can provide some inspiration to people at this challenging time, as you noted. Um, and, you know, for me, I think for most people, when the source of their inspiration or their, their burn, I'm just going to hypothesize, it usually comes out of some challenge they, they went through, right? Something that was really difficult for them, right? And as you know from my book, um, I, was, I was in a refugee camp for three years as a kid in Sudan, had the opportunity to come to this country with my family, grew up outside of Chicago, learned English, um, uh, went through the school system. And there was um, a, a really tough time I had then. Um, during my childhood where, and I didn't know it. Sometimes you don't know the pain you're feeling till later on where um, I can look back and I realize I just thought so little of myself. I didn't have any confidence. Um, I didn't look like the other kids. I was living in low-income housing. I'd come in and, and, and if you would have said, hey, um, how valuable are you? How much significance do you have? I would have said, I would have said none. Like I'm just, I, I, I don't offer much to the world, right? And I was blessed enough to have some mentors, Ben, who, who taught me a different way of viewing myself, who taught me that I could grow, who taught me that I could be a better student, who um, helped me build confidence, who helped me get better at developing relationships. All this eventually helped me get to uh, that scholarship at Harvard uh, that you mentioned. And when I looked at my life and I saw where I started from, uh, being uh, having to flee a war in Ethiopia, coming to the States, and then getting to grow like this, but the burn that I felt then was wanting to help other people grow. Because I couldn't believe how much I'd grown, yet I knew that a lot of how I grew, it, it was just because I was lucky enough to have these people who showed me the way. And so I developed an incredible passion that no child should ever be, feel like le they're less than others. That no child should, should be prevented from having this opportunity to grow. And no person should be. It's probably very similar to yourself that you want to see people grow. You want to see people realize their potential. And so that, that drives me as much today as it did 20 years ago. And any kid, any human being of any background, I want them to have that expanded view of who they are and what they can accomplish. Um, so that's really my burn. I love to see people grow. So, you know, what I, what I think is so unique is, you know, you've worked so much and done things corporately and throughout so many different arenas, but primarily K through 12 education. And now, like, this new focus, this new challenge, this new excitement for you is going more to corporations, right? So what I'd love to maybe hear a little bit from you is, like, what did you learn from the kids? You know, because I think so oftentimes, like, we as adults, we try to make things so complex, whether we're facing a challenge or actually facing a simple task where we know we need to do. What could you share that you've actually learned from that childlike mindset that yeah. might help help people who are struggling with that perceived challenge or adversity right now. Absolutely, and so and so I'm still doing some work to help ACT, the company that acquired us, uh, to to spread the message we built, uh, hopefully to reaching students all over the world, more than 100 countries. I'm excited about that. And then as adults, um, Ben, in the corporate arena, 
Um, I think the, the most important thing that I really learned about, about leadership, personal development, I, I really put it in, in two categories, right? Um, well, one is uh, we have to take action. Anything that you, I always say leadership training, personal development that is not applied is useless. We might as well not waste our time and energy into it. Um, I call it hitting your turbo button. Every human being has a turbo button in their heart. And uh, we hit this button when we take action to move towards our goals and dreams. Now we can ignore that that button's there and live a whole lifetime without having done anything to move ourselves forward. I always say there's another button that I call the victim button. That's where, uh, a lot of times people don't like that word, uh, Ben, where, because um, it, it connotes kind of uh, a negative feeling, but it's the idea when you feel like there's nothing you can do, when you feel like it's somebody else's fault, when you feel that um, you don't have any power. And so with our work in K-12, a lot of what was so powerful is creating simple metaphors like that and telling kids, hey, are we going to be on turbo today? Or are we going to be on victim? It's very mm -hmm. easy for the kids to understand. And so I always tell them, how can you hit your turbo button? So if a kid tells me I have a dream, I tell them, how can you hit your turbo button for that dream? If they tell me I have a challenge, I'm like, okay, how can you hit your turbo button and move towards that? This is very applicable for adults. It's actually also really relevant for the time we live in with coronavirus because the research that what I just shared with you on, what I just shared with you, Ben, is based on the research on locus of control. And that research is that, um, and researchers have really proven this through decades of social science is that when events come of uh, any kind in our lives, uh, we can have either an internal locus of control or external locus of control. An external locus of control is when it's all about the event and we feel like we have no power to do anything because the event has taken over. That could be losing a job, that could be um, a problem at work, that could be any challenge that comes up. Researchers have shown that that gives you no power as a leader. <clears throat> Whereas if you're in the internal locus of control and you say, hey, you know what? Um, yes, this, this coronavirus uh, um, situation is terrible. and We're all mourning, yet we can all ask ourselves, what can we do? What can we do? I, I talked to someone today who's doing, uh, who's um, delivering care packages to seniors in the area in a safe and mm -hmm. in a safe way. Um, uh, um, I just uh, saw your daughter come in the room, uh, uh, Ben. <laughs> she can say, hey, you know what? Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm a fourth grade. I don't get to go to the regular school I go to, but I'm going to learn a lot today anyway. What is that? That's staying within your internal locus of control, focusing on what you can do. So all these companies right now are beset with all the things they can't do. They can't control the stock market. Mm. They can't control the supply chain. They can't control this. Leaders step back and they hit that turbo button in the same way that we want a fifth grader or ninth grader. Take some, take, focus on what you Man, can do. Powerful. Focus on what you can do, not what you can't do, okay? And that's really, I believe, um, a lot of where leadership starts, whether you're a kid or adult. So I love that. That is so powerful. It actually makes me think. So let me ask you a follow-up question to that, because I think about when I hear your story of, you know, fleeing war and coming to the United States, there was probably a period of time where there was uncertainty as to like, when, this is, when is this going to end or how are we going to get out of this situation? And Chris Voss, who's the, you know, world-famous FBI hostage negotiator, you know, when you hear him speak, he'll say that for many individuals, it's not that they can't make it through the torture. The hardest part is actually the uncertainty of not knowing when the torture's going to end. Exactly. And, exactly. So, and so I'd love for you, and, and this is kind of like that correlation that I made that it, it kind of hit me. I'm like, I can't believe the first virtual yeah. one because of coronavirus is yeah. you. 
So like, take us to, because everybody right now is claiming like, oh my gosh, like yeah. I'm in my house. And, and first off, let me, let me say one of the things I did, I flipped it. Quarantine sounds like, you know, somebody's like caged me up. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm on, I'm on sabbatical. I'm on a work right, brother. <laughs> where I'm, I'm in growth mode and I'm enjoying this. But what I'd love for you to share is like, there's almost a correlation of your family is literally in the middle of war. Yeah tremendous uncertainty as to whether you'll ever be safe and whether you'll live. So like, what could you share with us about embracing this environment and embracing uncertainty? Well, what I can share is I can share the incredible journey, the incredible courage I saw from refugees. Um, uh, a lot of folks who never had a chance to go to school for one day in their lives. A lot of folks who worked in rural villages their whole lives and were forced to flee um, under duress and show up in a country they don't know. And what I saw from these folks, from my mom, from my dad, from so many other folks, was, Ben, one, they never stopped believing that they would get through it, that that torture would stop. It takes courage to say, we're going through a tough time as a country, but we are gonna get through this. And that's what leaders have to do. You as a dad, I know, and you, you, you will tell your kids, you know what, this is a rough time in some ways, guys, but you know what? We're gonna come out stronger and better, and we're gonna help each other, this is what this is what I saw from the from from all the all the refugees I met. They had that hope. The other thing is, even when you're going through challenging times, um, I saw refugees taking time to connect with each other, to um, uh, tell a story that could make someone smile, to build community. So even though we are uh, separated um, uh, through the social distancing, all that kind of stuff, look how you and I are connecting. We hadn't talked for ten years, but we're reaching out and connecting. So we have to one, we assume that this, we are going to get through this, and we're going to find ways to find value in this. And I would say to every single person listening to this, we are going to get through this as a country and as a world, and we're going to find ways to come out stronger and better. And even if we don't know how, that's how we believe and act as leaders. That's what I learned from refugees. And guess what? My mom and dad were right. We did get through it. We got to come to this great country, and I got to have a life I could have never imagined because of what they believed. And that's what's going to happen with us in this country. The second thing, Ben, I said is, Community. Community is critical whether you're in a refugee camp or whether you're on sabbatical, wherever you are, we need each other. Nobody does this on their own. Like we need other human beings who care about us, to encourage us, to support us. So everybody needs to reach out to those in their life that they know, people they haven't talked to, people who may be alone, people who may struggle with mental illness, people who any any and every single person that we know that we can reach out to and support during this time is worth 10x what it might be in normal times. Mm. So we have to be that person that makes a difference, Ben. So I would say those are some of the messages I would give to everybody. Well, I, I hope everybody listens, pays attention, and, and runs this episode back because there's so much power in. And if you really think, you know, you talked about focus earlier. You talked about that turbo button. Hit that turbo button. Stay focused on the things you can control. And you're right. We're all going to come out stronger. And so I just exactly. I wish Absolutely. I wish you nothing but the best and safety to your family and, and to your loved ones. And I can't wait till we can see each other in person again when I make my way up to great. the Chicago area. You back to say, look, but one final question, I got to know it's killing me. I ask better questions than Oprah, don't I? Hey, man, you know what? <laughs> Oprah, is Oprah subscribed to your thing? Now, Ben, you got a beat, bro. You got a beat. You got a beat, bro. Your couch, your couch is more comfortable, too, man. Your couch is more comfortable, too. I got to say, all right? <laughs> You're the king, man.
Hey, man, I appreciate you so much. Much love to you and your family, and uh, I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thanks for sharing with us today. A absolutely, brother. You take care. Same to you. Same to your viewers.